everybody. Everybody having a good weekend so far? All right, enjoying this uh, beautiful sunshine. We have some visitors from Tennessee with us, so welcome. We are so glad that you're with us here today here in, um, in Michigan. And uh, my wife's family from Tennessee, and I've spent some time down there in the Murfreesboro area, so I'm not sure where you guys are from, but uh, we know it well. Well, this, uh, this morning, if you look on the, the, the screen behind me, it says the sanctity of life. You know, this is normally something that you see that actual, uh, that title, um, and you think what? You think abortion many times. And that's not what we're going to be speaking about here this morning, because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but do we have a problem in this country when it comes to uh, violent crime, <laughs> mass shootings? Lack of respect for, for human life, or just life in general? I mean, where do these things come from? What ha has happened to this nation, which was once founded on Judeo-Christian principles, to the point to where now we just uh, are, are just a shell of our former selves? And I really want us to look at that here this morning, because, brethren, it is important to understand why these things are happening. And not just uh, highlight the fact that they're happening, but what can you do about it? What can we do about it as the church? And that's really what we're going to look at here this morning. Because when we think about the sanctity of life, I want you to understand that for the last 150 years, there are uh, theories of origins, are there not? And these theories of origins, we call them the Big Bang Theory, we call them the theory of evolution. And these theories have really slowly but surely caused the doubt and unbelief in God. And I firmly believe that the doubt has caused people in positions of influence to really put forth their agenda. It's made their agenda glaringly obvious. And that agenda is one of the religion of humanism. Have you guys ever heard of humanism? Humanism isn't just an ideal, it is a religion. And people have bought into that. And they have been, uh, they have been perpetrating this on the American people for several generations now. And we need to understand really what humanism is. Humanism is simply the rights of each person that is, that, that is detached from any expectation of deity. The rights of individuals detached from any expectation of deity. Meaning, I'll define, I get to define morality. I get to define what is right. And what is right and what is moral in my life and in my mind is based on my life experience is based on my truth. And then I'm going to then use that to guide me. And so many in this, in this, in this country have, have, have bought into this idea of the theories of origins, the Big Bang Theory, the theory of evolution. Humanism is the total detachment of religious beliefs. I mean, isn't that why we've removed God from all aspects of society? God is no longer plays a prominent role in the government, does he? His word, his law, no longer plays a role in deciding how we move forward, the laws that we enact. And we need to understand that's why God says that there is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it leads to death. Proverbs 14, Proverbs 16, it teaches us this. And so there's ways that seem right to man, and we feel that they're right. Don't we use things like, Pat, what does your heart tell you? Well, what does that really mean? Have you ever thought about it? Well, if Pat trusts his heart, if he trusts his gut, he's trusting what? 
not the Bible. He's trusting the experiences, the experiences that he's accumulated over a lifetime. And now I then make a decision based on what my truth is, what I feel is right. They're, you know, they'll, they'll tell us there's no such thing as moral absolutes in this country. And yet, the scriptures absolutely teach there's things called moral absolutes. Because if we are created in the image of God, and we are his creation, then does the, does the potter get to say to the clay, get to dictate to the clay how he's going to make them? Or does the clay get to dictate to the potter what they're willing to be made into? You see, if you think of that simple analogy about a, a potter and the clay, we understand then, brethren, if God is creator God, and he is the only living God, and we are made in his image, he gets to dictate what is right. Amen. He gets to dictate morality. And so that's why it constantly tells us in Scripture, if we trust in our own feelings, I mean, it tells us in Proverbs, those who trust in their heart are full. I mean, why does it say that? Because the, the heart is easily uh, led astray. And so you look at these facts here this morning, and the faith of this nation's children is being demolished. It's being demolished by the teaching of, of evolution as science, as well as other humanistic and atheistic ideals. And it's destroying the minds and the hearts of our children for generations now. Because we are teaching them that immorality is being encouraged by teaching people that they are, their ancestors are, uh, are we, we, well, we descend from the animal kingdom. And that our ancestors are ape-like creatures. And in that, if we are, if we descend from the animal kingdom, then I'm not, then I'm not guided by conscience. I'm not guided by morality. I'm not guided by what's right and wrong. I'm guided by instinct. I'm guided by genetics. And that we have no propensity for self-control. And so I just, because I'm an animal, I just do what I do. And so if we're just animals, then there is no right or wrong. There is no moral or immoral. It's just is. And so if a if an animal walks into an area and kills a bunch of other animals, i.e. Texas, then it just is. It's neither right nor wrong. It's just the survival of the fittest because we're just a bunch of animals. Do you see how this idea of humanism and the ideas of origins like the Big Bang and evolution have really destroyed the, the sense of, uh, of faith and God in this country. And I'm going to give you some I'm going to give you some statistics here in a little bit. In the last couple generations, like I said, we have witnessed the systematic removal of God from every aspect of society, from the from government, from the home, from schools, and from society in general. And because God and His moral standards are no longer held in high regard, we actually now must tell people that mothers shouldn't kill their babies. We have to actually declare this now because of these ideals that have been perpetrated on our, our children for generations, and those children are now adults having their own children, not raising them up in faith, not raising them up in God, not raising them up in, uh, in, 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 a, in a sense of morality that God dictates. So now we have to tell fathers that they shouldn't abandon their families. We have to tell people that they're not evolved animals, but they're actually made in the image of God. We actually have to now tell people that no human life is worthless, no matter of skin color, no matter of age or disability, no matter of economic status. We have to now tell people that we all have value. And then people want to argue about who has value. You see, brethren, where do these 
mindsets come from? They come from the ideals that have been perpetrated on the American people for multiple generations now. And when you look at these, the very fact that these things must be declared, it speaks to the horrors of this present age. When you think about right now in America, according to recent polling by different polls, Americans now believe that we are evolved animals and not created beings. Can you believe that? That if you go back to like the 60s and when they polled, they did different Pew Research, Barna, different ones, 21st century Christian, different groups do different polls from time to time on different topics. And in some of the latest polling in the last five, the last five years really, there's a greater number of Americans today that believe that we are evolved animals than that believe that we were created in the image of God. And then you wonder why we have the problems that we have with year-over-year -year increases in violent crime, year-over-year -year increases in suicide, year-over-year -year increases in, well, fill in the blank. Because we are literally have removed God from all aspects of society. You look at this, brethren, we are seeing the increases in mass shootings. We're seeing the increase in, society, in suicide in every demographic in society. We're seeing things like euthanasia. We're seeing things like human trafficking, increases in all violent crimes. Since 1973, we've aborted, killed 60 million children just in America alone. In America, last year, in 2021, 19,600 people were murdered. Last year, in 2021, over 50,000 people committed suicide. But think about it. Why are these things happening? If I believe I'm just an evolved animal, and I, my life has no worth, and I just, uh, you basically, you know, there is no God, there is no consequences, there's nothing to come, my life is horrible, everything is a train wreck, then why not just go and end my existence? Because I'm just an animal. It doesn't matter. There's no consequence. There's nothing afterwards. There's nothing to come. There's no hope for a better tomorrow. So why not just end it? Do you see why this mindset is in the hearts and minds of our children, now young adults, and now middle-aged individuals? Because for two, three generations, they have been teaching our children that if you believe in God, you're a moron. Because haven't you know that we could, we, science has already dis, disproven creationism? Even though the theory of evolution has been a theory for 150 years, and it's still a theory. It's a theory because it's never been proven. But yet they teach it as fact. And yet we're not teaching the opposite in our homes enough. And so you look at this information. In addition to these heart-wrenching stats, this year alone there's going to be over 2 million violent crimes committed on people. There's literally a violent crime committed like every 15 seconds in this country Around, around the United States, like every 15 seconds. Brothers and sisters, I contend it's because belief in God and belief in the sacredness of life are at all-time lows in this country. As I just said, according to recent polling, four in 10 Americans believe in creationism. The problem is six in 10 Americans believe we're evolved animals. Six in 10, and yet just in the 60s, 87% identified with Christianity. But now we have various forms of Christianity. You guys know I came out of the Catholic Church. And they actually have, uh, over, the, over the years, over the decades, have evolved their teachings to say you can believe in evolution and be a Christian too. 
But there's other, not just the Catholics, there's other religions that are saying you can believe in evolution, you can believe in creationism, and we can marry the two ideas together, even though they stand in stark contrast to one another. In the beginning, God created, and then he gives us Genesis chapter 1. How then do I then marry that to evolution? Because there's those in the church now who say, well, maybe the days of Genesis chapter 1 really weren't 24-hour periods, but maybe they were long period, long, uh, just, uh, what do they call it? Uh, just long periods of time and not a 24-hour cycle. Even though every time the word day is used in Scripture, it's used with a number, it references a 24-hour period. And yet we're taking it, we're perverting the scriptures in order to align the church with science so that way we could create this hybrid. That's exactly what the, the apostles were warning against. They were warning against the Gnostics who wanted to take certain aspects of certain religions and then bind them to Christianity and make this more hybrid religion. And the apostles, they fought against that in the first, uh, in the, in the first century. That's what First John, uh, that's what John in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John was writing about, to combat those ideas. Brothers and sisters, because we uh, evolved from animals, and because there's no God, then human life has no value, if that is the teaching that you believe. If there's no God and there's no human life that has value, well, then things like abortion, euthanasia, murder, suicide, rape, adultery, and so on, they're neither moral or immoral. They just are. Does that make sense? They're neither right or wrong. They just are. Because if we're animals, I know I don't know about you guys, but I watch the animal planet for some time, time to time. Sometimes the, the parent animal eats the child animal. And it's neither right or wrong, it just is. It's based on instinct and genetics. And so when you look at the scriptures, in the animal kingdoms, there's no sense of morality. There's no, there's no conscience. There's just the circle of life. There, it's the fittest, the survival of the fittest. When you consider that the majority of Americans now believe in evolution, and you factor in that we are inundated by various forms of violence, movies, video games, music, news, life in general, it shouldn't be surprising that we're seeing year-over-year -year increases in mass shootings, abortions, violent crime, and so on. Does this make sense? Because this is the teachings that have been taught to our children. Our children are influenced more by humanism than they are by Christianity. Because their teachers are influencing them 40 hours a week, where maybe you might come to service four hours a month. And maybe if you came for Bible study, maybe it's eight hours. And not the 40 hours that they're being influenced a week, 160 hours a month. And then that doesn't, it doesn't include all the movies and the music and the movies and the, and the media that are all in on this great hoax called humanism. For the last 100 years, the children of this country have been taught an increasingly humanistic worldview by the media, by entertainment, and by schools and humanistic government agents who have been working desperately to bring about these ideals to perpetrate them on the American people. And right now in this country, unborn animals have more rights than human babies in the womb. Did you know that? Animals have more rights than human babies in the womb. How can that possibly be? It could be because if we just believed we're evolved animals, well then the human baby has no more rights than the animal. Did you know in this country we have, I'm just going to give you one example. 
You could kill your baby in the womb with no legal consequences. But if you were to take a bald eagle or golden eagle, if you were to take their eggs and you were to destroy one of their eggs, it's a, it's, you, it's a fine of up to $5,000 in one year in prison. To take a bald eagle's egg and break it, destroy it, whatever the case may be, one year in prison, $5,000 fine. But it's okay to kill the babies. Human babies. These things are thought about and these things are in law because humans are now thought of on the same plane as animals, but yet animals in many cases have more rights than babies. Brethren, it should not be this way. It's because of naturalistic theories of origins. It's because of evolution that we should not be surprised that we are witnessing an, an increasingly disregard for human life in this country. So that's the problem. What's the solution? Well, brethren, I'm here to tell you, we are the solution. We are the solution because what was the Great Commission? What was the commission that God had given his disciples? That I need you to go. Go where? Out into the world and do what? To teach. To preach. To teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them that in the beginning, God created teaching them that in the beginning that God had made male and female and that they are to leave their mother and father, cleave to one another, and become one flesh. And there's the sacredness of the marriage covenant that we are talking about in Bible study this morning. We know, brethren, that when we look at what is the solution to the problem in this country, it's for people like you and I to stand up and to preach the truth. To teach people about God. Teach people about the love story that the Bible is. Teach them about the sacrifice that God had set in the form of his son to take away the sins of the world. To teach people that humans, human life is sacred because we're formed in the image of God. Amen. In every generation, we as God's representatives are the solution. I'm here to tell you we're not the first generation of Christians to deal with similar problems. We just have a 24-hour news cycle. And so, we, so we're inundated with this information all the time. Can you, you've heard me say this before. Can you imagine what the 24-hour news cycle would have been like in the Roman Empire days if they had the, uh, the technology? There's not a whole lot of difference today than then except technology. More modern forms of sin. These same problems, Solomon would say, brother, there's nothing new under the sun. Right? Because we deal with the same problems. But now it's in our face constantly. They didn't have movies. They didn't have the music. They didn't have all the entertainment choices. They didn't have the 24-hour news cycle. They didn't have the internet, right? And that you can't escape the, the circle of violence all the time because it shows up on your phone. It shows up on your radio. shows up on your television. shows up in your email. And then you just go out in society and you experience it for yourself. Brethren, we are the solution. But how are we the solution? We're the solution because we can no longer remain in the shadows. For too long, Christians, faithful Christians, have been silenced in this country. Humanistic agents and their ideals have wreaked havoc on this nation, and we have sat in the shadows for far too long. And we need to make sure that we restart to restore our nation's moral compass. And how do we restore the moral compass of this nation? By teaching them the holy word of God. 
You look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. We see the Apostle Paul, before his death, he wrote to Timothy. And he said to young Timothy, who's an evangelist, he says, you need to be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Diligent workman handling the word of God. All of us are to be diligent in our study of Scripture. All of us are to study to show ourselves approved. So when people ask about the hope that is in us, we can then give them why there's a hope for in us. There's a hope in us. And we need to make sure that we have these answers. We must be ready at all times to make a defense for our beliefs. And we must present the word of God in its entirety. I love when the Apostle Paul told the various uh, synagogues that he would go to. He, when, he, when they would reject him, reject the word of God, he would leave and say, your blood be on your own hands. Because I did not cease from teaching you the entire counsel of God. We are not called to convert anybody. We are not called to force people into repentance. Jesus simply said, love your neighbor as yourself and take the truth out into the world. Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself and go. Go. Teach. Preach. And show them the love of God by how you live your life. Brethren, real Christians believe that mankind is distinct from the animal kingdom. And that we are not one in this same. Not, we're not an extension of the animal kingdom. We're distinct from the animal kingdom. Our belief is based on the Creator's testimony in the Bible. And the Creator's testimony in the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 21, or Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, that God personally formed man in his image. God had created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What is the point? God had created animals before he created man, and then when he gets to man, he says, we're going to make man in our image. Plural. Because there's a trinity, amen? God is going to make man in our image. And so man is unique, with a unique language, a, un a unique aesthetic. We have the ability to, have, to rationalize. We have morals. We have spiritual faculties that the animal kingdom does not have. Brethren, don't let it be lost on you. That humanity is not broken down into kinds when you study out Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, ten different times in Genesis chapter 1, it says that they, they were made into kinds. They were broken down into kinds. And yet that is not what we find when God created man. Because when God created man, you notice in Acts chapter 17, if you look on the screen behind me, Jim, if you could hit that, my clicker's not working. Go to the next slide for me. We know, brethren, that the human family is one. The human family is one, as we learn in Acts 17, 24 through 26. Literally, out of one male. Not kinds, out of one male. Acts 17, 24 through 26 says, The God who made the world and all the things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he had needed anything. Since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he had made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. What is the point of this passage of scripture? It's simple. That the Bible separates humans from animals. 
And the separation between humans and animals is by a vast impassable gulf. We are not an extension of one another. We, there's a distinction between the two. And we, in our infinite wisdom as mankind, what have we turned around? We, in our infinite wisdom, have turned around and given animals more rights than humans. And yet, if you remember, wasn't it after the flood that God said, go, kill, and eat? Eat what? Eat the animals. Why? Because he had given them to us for food. And yet, now the animals have more rights than the humans. Brethren, we need to make sure that we teach people the whole counsel of God. Yeah. That we teach them about the love of God. We teach them about being made in the image of God. We teach them about the nature of God. And, that, and likewise, we have a similar nature. And brethren, we know that when we study this out, that in Proverbs, as I said earlier, 14 and verse 12, there is a way that seems right unto man, and in the end it leads to death. Adam became a living being by the breath of God. And if God wanted to withdraw that breath, that life-saving force, he could do that, and we would all perish. Even Job spoke about this in Job chapter 34 and verse 14 and 15. It says, if God should determine to do so, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to the dust of the ground. Brethren, we know that we live and we exist by the power of God. We are not evolved animals. There was no big bang. There was no, the, the theories of origins are simply what I just said, theories that are unproven. But what has been proven? God, Jehovah God, the living God. We can know that God exists. We are without excuse, it tells us in Romans chapter 1, as God's creation. You look at the scriptures, brethren, and since life belongs to God, humans do not have absolute autonomy over our own lives, but we are simply stewards. We are stewards of the life given to us by God. And we are to live for God in his glory. The lives of all humans, both of their own and others, are to be cherished and they are to be protected. All people have value. For all mankind has been made in the image of a holy and righteous God. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as we educate ourselves as to the scriptures and the Christian apologetics, we must then go and share that faith. Remember what Jude had to say in Jude in verse 3. Jude wanted to write about their common salvation. But notice what he says in verse 3. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, he says, I felt that the necessity... To write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all handed down. Why did he feel the need to tell them they have to contend? To contend for the faith means you need to fight. Be willing to stand up, stand firm on the word of God, and fight for your beliefs. You do so with gentleness. You do so with love. You do so with a compassionate and gentle spirit. But you never sacrifice the truth in order to then try to create a hybrid of various thought processes. I don't take scientific ideals and try to then match it with biblical ideals so that way I can make the word of God more palatable to those who would want to hear it that way. We have to teach the entirety of the counsel of God and allow each and every individual the choice because God has given us free will, the choice. 
to be able to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior or deny him. Brethren, beliefs and actions all have consequences. And these consequences are eternal in nature. And so we must firmly teach the truth as laid out in Scripture. And not this watered-down cotton candy version that so many churches are preaching around this country. We need to remember 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Why does it say that all Scripture is uh, inspired? I mean, it's God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired and it's profitable for what? For teaching. What did Jesus give the commission to his disciples? Go. Go out into the world and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But when you look at verse, the simple verse that we've all said a million times, it's profitable for teaching and what else? Rebuke. Reproof. Correction. Why? Because there's people out there that got a false idea. There's people out there who don't understand and they wrestle with the scriptures and, they, and, and they, they, they can't make heads or tails of it. And so we need to make corrections. We need to rebuke false teachings. Did you know practically every letter of the New Testament teaches about false teachers? And what we are to do with that information? We are to correct them. We're to admonish them. But we're also to encourage them. Brethren, this is the reason that Jesus gave his disciples the Great Commission. Because Jesus knows that without God and left to our own thoughts, mankind is doomed. Without God, left to our own thoughts, we are doomed to an eternal condemnation. Brethren, as I get ready to sew this up, I need you to understand that the great things about God is that he doesn't just give us a blind faith. He doesn't give us a blind faith. There are answers to these difficult questions. For God supplies all the answers that we need. If you are willing to believe, if you are willing to hear the word of God, faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God, Romans 10 and 17. If you're willing to then believe and then make Jesus the Lord of your life by confessing him before man, living faithfully, being baptized, doing all that God has required of you, then you too can be added to the kingdom. You see, brethren, here in a second, I'm going to give an invitation. But before I give that invitation, brethren, we need to understand that we teach the whole counsel of God. We teach it firmly, but we also make sure that as we teach the life-giving and saving word of God, that we must do so by not just teaching it, but making sure that we're living it. There are too many hypocrites in the church who like to teach others what they're supposed to do, like to point out the blank in other people's eyes, never realizing or recognizing the log in their own eyes. You have to live the faith in order to then teach the faith. People, will wanna, people are going to want to know how much you care before they want to know how much you know. And so you do so with gentleness, compassion, love, patience, mercy. And you teach the whole counsel of God. You teach your friends, you teach your family members, and you teach them that God loves them that God cherishes them, that God is rooting for them. For God doesn't desire any of his creation to perish, but that we all come to the knowledge of the truth, repent, and make Jesus our Lord of our lives. If you're here today and you're hearing this message and you have questions afterwards, please get with me. If you'd like to study this out further, I'd love to sit down with you. If you're here today, though, and you're hurting, and you're a member of this church, come forward, let us pray for you. Let us help you in any way that we can whether it's through Bible study, whether it's through uh, accountability, whatever the case may be. But if you're here today and you're not a child of God, 
You have an opportunity to change that. Why go another day? Why wait another day where you're outside the body of Christ for we don't know when our end is going to come? You could go down into that baptistry here this morning, have the remission, your sins washed away, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and God himself will pick you up and add you to the body of Christ. Something only he can do. If that is your desire, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.